The reality is all the money in the world, all the possessions, all the health care plans, all the exercise programs, all the special diets can't change the fact that one day the time comes where each of us breathes our last breath on this earth. And my question to you is, do you have your parachute ready when that time comes? Well, hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Audacious Faith Podcast. Today I want to talk about power, the power to change lives, the power to literally take where someone's going and put them in a much better position. The most powerful force known throughout the universe. But the question is, is it being represented correctly today? The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It literally can take someone who's lost and help them be found, someone who's blind, help them to see, someone who's lame and help them to walk. It literally can change someone who's dead and going to a Christless, godless eternity and giving them hope for a future in heaven where the blessings will never end. So why is it that so many that have heard the gospel, have heard the truth, have gone to church, have heard a message, disappear and don't go back again? Why is it that there are so many people today who are disillusioned by what they have heard in the church, by what the message was, and they don't want anything to do with it? Why is it that about 80% of listed documented conversions to Christianity, these people are nowhere to be found. Well, maybe it's because the message has been misrepresented. Maybe it's because what was actually told to them of the saving message of grace was actually not the saving message of all. Here's the question. What is the actual gospel? I was hearing the story just the other day, which I think illustrates it greatly, it was about a man who was going to go on an airplane and someone said to him, hey, you know what? You need to wear this parachute because when you're wearing the parachute, this is what'll happen. It'll give you a better flight. So he put it on thinking, hey, I'm gonna have a better flight if I'm wearing the parachute. And as he went on, he thought to himself, you know what? This is a little uncomfortable. I don't really fit in the seat quite as well as the other passengers that are sitting around me. And it's kind of getting a little bit heavy. During the flight, as time went on, he noticed that the other passengers that were not wearing the parachute were kind of pointing at him, laughing at him, kind of making fun of him, ridiculing him. And yet he continued to wear the parachute. And, and though he thought to himself as he couldn't get comfortable, he couldn't relax, he, he couldn't go to sleep, he couldn't lean back like many of the other passengers could, he thought, I, I just don't see how this is making my flight better. Finally, as he continued to see the laughing and the ridicule and the scorn and the humiliation, he talked to himself and discussed, this is ridiculous. And he took off the parachute and he threw it to the ground, never wanting to wear that parachute again. Well, let's contrast that to a second man who was told that he needed to wear the parachute on the flight as well, but for a different reason. He said, hey, you need to wear this parachute because the time will come when suddenly 
you will be thrust at 20,000 feet out of the plane and you'll need this parachute to save your life. Well, he put that parachute on, got on the plane, and yeah, at times it was uncomfortable. It was a little bit heavy. It was a little harder to fit in the seat. And he was the only one, it seemed, that was wearing that parachute. But he clung to the fact that he knew why he was wearing it. That the time was coming when he would be plunging 20 feet, 20,000 feet, I'm sorry, to his sure death. And he knew that it was that parachute that was on his back that was going to save him. Now, what's the difference between the first man and the second man? The first man was promised a better flight, but did it give him a better in-flight? No, it didn't. It was actually a false promise. The second man was told that he would need this to prevent himself from perishing, giving him a totally different perspective on why he was wearing the parachute. You see, too many people, maybe even you, have been told today, hey, you need to try out Jesus because he'll give you a better life. Now, here on this earth, everything will be great. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But you know what the Bible says? That those who follow after Christ Jesus, they'll experience persecution. They'll experience testing. They'll experience challenges. Never did it say that there would be a rose garden here on earth, but it did promise that we would be able to be saved from our sins and that we would be able to walk the streets of gold in heaven for eternity one day. This is essential for us to live with God forever and to have a relationship with God forever. You see, the whole difference is what is your perspective? If you're being told that this will give you a better life and a cruise sailing, and that God's just going to give you everything now on this earth, it becomes very disillusionment when you realize, wait a minute, this isn't exactly what I signed up for. I tried Jesus, and yet everything isn't wonderful. I'm not all of a sudden having a million dollars in the bank, and every problem has gone away. But when you realize that you're being saved from your sin, and that we've failed before God and we have no other way to live except through this provision that God has given us. It's a whole different perspective. So if you're out here and you're watching this video today and you've been lied to, God and his gospel have been misrepresented, I, I need to tell you this. God loves you so very much. And we're in a world that is marked by sin. That's why there's violence. That's why there are disappointments. That's why there's hurt. That's why there's pain. That's why there's sickness. That's why there's hospitals. That's why there's cancer. That's why there's all the different things that people are going through today. That's why there's loneliness and there's sorrow. And that's why there's fear. But there is a place that will rescue us from all this, and it's a place called heaven. That Jesus has said, I've gone to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare this place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He made this statement when he said to Mary and Martha that he was the resurrection and the life, and that whoever would believe in him would never die. Now let me ask you this question. As much as you try to build your kingdom and your great, greatest, best life here on this earth right now, is there any way that you can stop the fact that it is appointed unto each one of us once to die and then the judgment? The reality is all the money in the world, all the possessions, all the health care plans, all the exercise programs, all the special diets 
can't change the fact that one day the time comes where each of us breathes our last breath on this earth. And my question to you is, do you have your parachute ready when that time comes? God doesn't promise your best life now, but he does promise your best life for eternity. That is the power of the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. Now, you may say to yourself, but what do you mean sins? Am I really a sinner? How do we know that we're a sinner? How do we know that we truly are not right when it comes to measuring up to the standard of God? The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Does that include you and me? We look back to the law in the Ten Commandments that gives us just a little bit of a glimpse. You know, isn't it ironic that many public institutions and governments and, and a lot of people out there that don't want to have anything to do with God, they seek very strongly to make sure that the Ten Commandments are not posted anywhere. And you know why that is? Because it's the Ten Commandments that God has given that reveal to us the standard of God, that reveal to us what's right and wrong. It's those Ten Commandments that work like a giant mirror to show us that we need a Savior. So for example, uh, people went out and did an interview recently on the street and said, hey, can you name the Ten Commandments? And they struggled to try to name of them. And they thought, well, wait a minute. Um, thou shalt not lie. Uh, thou shalt not steal. Um, and, and, and then they got caught up. Many could not even name three or four. And yet they were asked, hey, can you name brands of beer? And suddenly Budweiser, Miller Lite, Modelo, you name it, all, all these, these names came out. And they could name five, eight, ten, twelve names of beer, but not the Ten Commandments. What does the Ten Commandments show us? So, for example, let me ask you this question. Have you ever told a lie in your life? And most of us, if we're honest, would think back, at least through childhood and probably even in recent times, yeah, we've told at least one lie, correct? So what does that make you? That makes you a liar, right? Now, have you ever stolen something in your life and, and then that same person said, um, no, no, I, I haven't stolen stuff. And then the person who was interviewing them looked at them and said, well, can I believe you? Because you've actually already admitted that you're a liar. And then they had to think back and think, well, I did take something that wasn't mine when I was a kid. And, and I, and I did take something else that, that really didn't belong to me. And well, so what does that make you? That makes you a thief. And then the person said, hey, what about adultery? The Bible says in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. And yet Jesus clarified in the New Testament that if a man were to look after a woman and lust after her in his heart, he's already committed adultery in your heart. Have you ever done that? And the person, of course, had to admit it. So what did that make you? That made him an adulterer. So he said, so here we go. We've only talked about three of the Ten Commandments, and we've already established that you're a lying, adulterous thief. You see, the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned. It's the truth. But it tells us also that the wages of that sin, that which we receive, is death. But the good news is that the gift of God is eternal life, and it comes through Jesus Christ the Lord. He died on the cross 
for our sins. Why was he able to do this? Because he came down, God himself, took on our humanity, and lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. He fulfilled the requirements of the law, living and being tempted and and having all the same situations that we have, yet without sin. And he gave himself as a sacrifice and a payment for our sins on the cross so that we could have eternal life. In other words, it was like you were guilty of a crime and had to pay an amount that you could not pay. You were going to be sentenced to death forever, but then right at the perfect time, someone came in and you found out, hey, you know what? The penalty for your crimes have been paid for. You now can go free. That's what Jesus, the Son of God, did for us because God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever would would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us in Acts 16, 31, that if you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm sharing this very important message with you today because I know with certainty in my heart that God has saved me through what Jesus has done on the cross. And I also know that the time is coming when I breathe my last breath on this earth I will most certainly, and I know 100% without wavering, that I will be absent from the body, but then present with the Lord. I'm going to be in heaven one day, and it's going to be a place with no pain, no suffering, no more tears. All the tears will be wiped from my eyes. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. And the Lord himself will be amongst me and all the people, and we will forever be with the Lord. My only question is, when the time comes for you, will you be there with me? That's why I'm sharing this, because I want you to have that opportunity to have that same gift. God loves you, cares for you, he's done all this for you, and the only thing stopping you is receiving that gift. The Bible tells us in John 3.17, that he that believeth in him is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already. Why? Because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter what you've gone through, no matter how many mistakes you have made, the blood of Jesus on the cross is more than sufficient to pay for all your sins past, present, and future. The only thing that keeps you out of heaven is the rejection and the refusal to receive that gift that he's provided. If you're watching this today and you're saying to yourself, you know what, I believe that I'm a sinner. I know that I've lied. I know that I've stolen. I know that I've thought things that I shouldn't. I know that that I've had anger, murderous thoughts, at least periodically, at least for a second, against people. I know that I've coveted and wanted things and longed for things and envied and lusted after things that aren't mine, that I don't have. I know that there's been times when I've taken the Lord's name in vain. I know that there's been times when I have not put God as number one in my life and I've put other things before him. If you know that this is true, what the Bible has said about you and has said about me, 
and that you need a savior and believe that Jesus, the son of God came and died on the cross for your sins, ask him to forgive you. Say, Lord, have mercy on me for I have sinned against you and I believe Jesus died. By faith, I want this gift. I receive this gift. Let me turn from my sin and go the other way and follow after you. I know this, God will save you, you will have eternal life, and you will be with him in heaven forever. I can't promise you your best life now, but God has promised his best life for eternity. If you're here and you're listening to this and you've been blessed by this or encouraged, will you please reach out to me and share this so that I can follow up with you? Also, if you have further questions, feel free to reach out to me as well. You can email me at jgothiersenior at gmail.com or you can contact me the same way by that name on Facebook or Instagram. I'm so blessed by the connection that we get to have together and I hope that you will also share this podcast and other episodes with many other people. God bless you. This has been the Audacious Faith Podcast. See you next time.